We'll be looking at Luke 24. If you're new here this morning, welcome. Glad to have you here visiting Reverence Bible Church and pray that you're blessed. For the followers of Christ, the disciples, the women that were following Christ, all the others that had been following him, the last three days would have been absolutely horrific for them. You think of what it is to just lose hope. Hope something that's important. It's important for all of us. For us to be without hope is, is a grave place to be, a dark, painful place to be. And you think of these disciples. At what point did the disciples, at what point did these women, at what point did the other followers of Christ just lose hope? Maybe it was when they were there in, in the garden. I think of Jesus asking his disciples, can you watch and pray with me for one hour? And they kept falling asleep. So the fact that they kept falling asleep shows that they were feeling pretty good. They were thinking it was going to be okay. There was nothing to stress out about. Everything was going to work out okay. We can fall asleep. We don't need to watch and pray. We don't need to be up with you for this hour. When the soldiers came and Judas betrayed Christ and Malchus got his ear chopped off, they probably had some hope still then as far as, I think we could take these guys. I know there's like a ton of them and not all that many of us, but we got Peter. He's huge and he's got a sword and he can chop guys' ears off. Let, let's, let's, I think we're going to be okay. And so they pull their swords out and Jesus says no, puts his ear back on. And so they watch their, their friend this one in whom they've been taught by, the one in whom they have followed, the one that they've seen just do incredible miracles. They see him taken away by the soldiers. Most scattered at that point. All scattered, but some scattered further than others. Peter watching Jesus, seeing the face of Jesus even to where Jesus looked at him when Peter denied him the third time. Christ hanging on the cross. John still there, being told to behold his mother, Mary. Maybe some seen from a distance, but there might have been a glimmer of hope as far as we've seen him do incredible things. I mean, he's turned water into wine and he... He multiplied the fish. He multiplied the loaves. I mean, he's, he's done incredible things. I mean, he could come down from that cross. Surely he could come down from that cross. But then there came this point where he breathes his last. Spear was thrust into his side. It took him down from the cross, pulling his hands and his feet from those stakes One man was a part of the Sanhedrin, Joseph, a rich man, comes and says, I, I'll take his body. Can I take his body? I have a brand new tomb. No one's used it. So he takes the body. The disciples now have all scattered. Some of the women had come to see where they were going to lay Jesus. 
but it was almost Sabbath time. So the time had come where they were no longer able to work. They were no longer able to go and prepare the body the way that they would have wanted to do and to put the spices there that they would normally do when anybody died. And so they left. Now a day has gone by. And throughout that Saturday, it must have just been just filled with so many tears, hearts that were just broken, hearts that were at a place of just, we thought... We thought he was the Messiah. We thought that he was the one that was going to deliver us. We thought that maybe I'd be able to sit on his right hand and you might be able to sit on his left. I mean, we had, we had so many plans. How could he, how could he die? I mean, we have followed him. He, he took lepers and he made them clean. He made blind people able to see. He made lame people able to walk. We saw him rise people from the dead. He made people who were dead that got to the point of stinking. He made them come alive. How is he not with us anymore? And they're just, they're weeping and weeping and weeping over that day. And I'll tell you, on Easter morning, this was a group of people that were without a glimmer of hope. It wasn't that they woke up early in the morning and prepared their spices, these women, and thought, let's go, let's, let's go to the tomb, let's see if he's still there. They knew he was going to still be there. They're walking saying, how are we going to move the stone? How are we going to move that stone? I mean, they are without any hope whatsoever. If you've ever been in that place where you just felt like, I'm, I have no hope, I have no hope. You can magnify that times whatever, and you're going to picture these women, the disciples, the others. They were without any hope. I mean, it was as dark as dark could be. So here they are, without hope. Luke 24. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So, they're going with spices. They're not expecting him to rise again from the dead. They're not expecting him to not be there. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Matthew talks about this as well and says that what took place was there was this great earthquake that occurred. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And there was these guards that were out there that had sealed the tomb. And for fear of them, they became like dead men. They fainted. And so now here's the women. They get there. The stones rolled away. In verse 4, it says, And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. That behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. They're greatly perplexed. What is going on? I mean, we came down with Joseph. We saw them put him in the, in the tomb. But now the stone's been rolled away. We've looked inside. He's not there. And they're just saying, where did he go? Who took him? Why is the stone rolled away? And now there's these two standing there with shining garments. And then as they were afraid, 
and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, these beings, these angels, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And these women, they remembered his words at that point. And so they're there. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you seeking him right now here? Don't you know that he's risen? Now you got to think in these women's hearts, it was just, we remember him saying that. We remember. And you guys are shining kind of in a crazy way. Maybe it's, do you think he rose again from the dead? I mean, in their hearts now, there's some hope. They came there with their spices. They came there. I mean, Mary Magdalene just took off at that point, running back to tell the disciples. The other women are there seeing what's happening. And they're saying, he did say that. I mean, just, you think of in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us in chapter 16, verse 21, that from that time on, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And you remember, he says it over and over again throughout his ministry, throughout his life in the previous three years, that he would die, that he would suffer, and that he'd rise again on the third day. And so the women are saying, we remember his words. We remember that he said that. We remember that. Mark tells us that when these women were there that, that they were alarmed at these things. Um, well, it tells us in verse 9 that they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and, all, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. They have hope? Absolutely not. I mean, you have these disciples and everybody else, and they're gathered together, and they're mourning, and they're weeping, and they're thinking of Christ, and they're thinking of all that he had done, and they're thinking of this one in whom they followed, this one who was their best friend, this one who never sinned against them, this one who was perfect in all his ways, the one that just shined Christ, or and, and, and God the Father to them is now gone and they're there. And when these women come back and say, there was these beings and they were, like, they were shining. Stone was rolled away. His body wasn't in there. We went in. We looked. He wasn't there. They said he's risen just like he had told us that he would suffer and he'd rise again on the third day. And we're just told that the apostles, all the others that were with them, said that the words of these women seemed to them like idle tales. Right. That's a good one. Rose again from the dead, huh? He didn't rise again from the dead, they're thinking. Why come back and say something like that to us? Why give us these idle tales? Why make things up like this? It's nonsense, it's make believe. 
And they continue just weeping and mourning. I think this is a strong amount of evidence for the resurrection. The disciples weren't looking for it. They weren't expecting it. Rather, they had to be convinced that he truly rose again from the dead. And once they were, they gave their lives entirely to proclaiming the gospel. There's those that say, well, maybe they just saw a hallucination and they thought that they saw him. They weren't even expecting it. They're just weeping. The women come back and it's just like, yeah, right. You rise again from the dead. In verse 12 it says, but Peter, he arose and ran to the tomb. Peter gets up immediately. He hears his things and he's a part of the group that thinks it's idle tales. But you got to remember, Peter. Peter's the one that had just denied Christ three times, saw the face of Christ when he denied Christ on the third time. Peter's the one who... He probably wept as hard as any of them. He hears the women say this and he gets up and he just starts running. Maybe on his way there, he's thinking, did he rise again from the dead? Or maybe he's on his way there to say, like, I'm going to bust up whoever it is that got into that tomb. But I don't think he still has a whole lot of hope. But he ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself what had happened. What happened? Well, now there's two of these other men that were there amongst the disciples when these women got back. In verse 32, it talks about these two men. They're not disciples, it doesn't appear. One's name is Cleopas. And it tells us that they heard this message from the women. They know that Peter went there and affirmed that, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't there. But they leave. And now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They just think like, let's go home. So, so in these guys' minds, you, you, you don't hear like, he's risen from the dead. There's angels that appeared. The, the disciples went, they saw these things. And, and they said also that the tomb was was empty, a stone had been rolled away. Let's go home. They're going home because they don't believe any of it. They're going home because they're in a place of, let's just go home. These people are nuts. Making stuff up like this. So they decide to walk seven miles to their house. And they talk together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they converse in reason, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now this is, I think this is cool. You can picture these guys, like they're just, they're walking, their heads are down, they're just kicking the gourd, you know, like they're just walking and, and, and like, 
We thought he was the one. He was a prophet, wasn't he? I mean, we, we thought that he was going to be the Messiah. And he wasn't. And they crucified him like a criminal. Our world's falling apart. And they're, and they're just walking and they're talking. And here comes Jesus. And he restrains their eyes so that they can't tell who he is. I like this. He's undercover. Because he, he's the creator of the universe. He's their savior. He is their Lord. He knows all things. And he just thinks, now's the time in which I'm going to give them hope. But he's wanting to teach them through this process. And so they're just, they're just walking. Jesus comes up, makes it so they don't know who he is. He just draws near, you know, they, they can hear steps behind them. Like, this guy's getting kind of close. And then Jesus just starts walking with them. And he says to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and you have not known the things which happened there in these days? Like, would you just fall off the turnip truck? How is it that you have not heard of these things? Are you like the only person in Jerusalem that has no idea of what's going on? I love this. I mean, you just picture these guys as the sarcasm. Like, what rock have you been hiding under? Everybody knows what's going on. But Jesus just asked him, what's, what are you guys talking about? So he says to them, what things? What are you guys talking about? What, what things are you talking about? So they say to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, Besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. We thought that he was the one. Jesus of Nazareth, they crucified him. The women, they found the tomb empty. There was these beings that told him that he had risen. Disciples went to. But we're going home. And so Jesus, he says to them, oh, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? I think there's some important things to look at. One is, note, 
This isn't like he's showing up and talking with Peter, James, and John. Or maybe Andrew, that inner circle. This is Cleopas, who we don't know anything about. And this is some other guy. We don't even know his name. It's just, it's people that were there that were with the disciples, heard the women come back, say these things, heard the disciples come back and say their things. But Jesus just seeks them out. He goes and he finds them. And notice what he says to them. Oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. See, it's not... You guys are not very smart. He says it's an issue of your heart. You're, you're slow of heart. It's a heart issue that's there. I mean, I, I would say it's the same with every unbeliever that exists today. It's not a matter of not having the facts. I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at this world that we live in. It demands that there's a creator. You, you look at the evidence of the resurrection and... He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to these women. He appeared to the others. He appeared to 500 people at one time. There's no lack of evidence as far as that he rose again from the dead. And to make it even more clear, like the disciples died for their faith in him. They knew that he rose again from the dead. And yet, what Jesus says to them is, you're slow of heart to believe. Not slow of brain to believe. It's a heart issue. Your heart is in a place where it is hard. It is far from the truth. You, you're in a place where you, you thought that I was just going to be the one that would come and, and take out the Romans and establish this kingdom now. Your heart is not in the right place. And how many people are there where it's not that they don't have enough facts. It's that they don't want to follow a sovereign God. They do not want to give up sin. They don't want anybody to be the Lord of their life. They don't want their darkness exposed. They hate the light, Christ says. They, 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 they love darkness rather than the light because their ways are evil. It is a heart issue. It's not a facts issue. And so Jesus says to them, you're slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, everything that they said. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory should not that have happened. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This must have been radical. I mean, he's just talking with these guys and he's going through and saying like, let's just start. Let's start in Genesis. You remember in Genesis, Genesis where, where it's talking about Adam and Eve falling and God comes and he speaks to the serpent and he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise his, your, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The Savior, his heel was bruised when he was crucified. But Satan's head was crushed at that time. That was talking about Christ, Jesus is saying to them. 
Possibly he went to Genesis 12, 3, where it talks about Abraham and how God says to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And, and there, he, he's saying, like, it's from the seed of Abraham. And you look at the lineage of Christ, and it goes back to that. And surely he, he's the one in whom all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. It's coming through Christ. You remember in Exodus, where there's, Chapter 12, 13, where it says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you or to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so you put the blood on the doorpost there. And I said, when, when I go over, send that angel over. If I see the blood on the doorpost, I'll go over your house. Christ's blood was shed for you on that cross. That was talking about Christ. That was talking about the crucifixion. And whosoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. You remember Psalm 22? Remember where it says in that psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was talking about Christ. Those were his words from the cross. When he said, I'm being poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint and my heart is like wax and it's melted within me. That was the words of Christ coming from the cross. Where it says, for the dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. That happened on the cross, didn't it, guys? Cleopas, do you remember? I mean, look at Psalm 22. It says that his hands were pierced. When that was written, crucifixion hadn't even been invented at that time. They're casting lots for his clothing. He's saying that he could see all of his bones. He's there naked upon the cross. And Psalm 22 is what just took place a couple days ago, guys. Look at this. And then you can just continue. You go on. He's going through Scripture. Isaiah 7, 4, 14. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall... And you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The virgin birth. Isaiah. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's called Mighty God. He is born. Isaiah 35. The eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. That was talking about Christ. Did he make people able to see, and able to hear, and able to walk, and able to speak? Did he do that? That was talking about him. Isaiah 53 Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And he had to have just gone to his guys and say, Christ did not open his mouth, did he? Christ was whipped. He was scourged, wasn't he? I mean, you got to figure around between Friday night and all day Saturday, there's like they whipped him and they whipped him and they whipped him. And he didn't say a thing. 
He didn't even respond. He was quiet throughout the whole thing. And these guys are just listening to Jesus go through scriptures and say, you're describing everything that happened these last few days. Micah tells us that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Zechariah tells us that he'd ride in on that donkey, that colt, the foal of a donkey coming into Jerusalem. That happened the previous Sunday. Zechariah tells us that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and that they'd go out and buy a potter's field. And that's exactly what happened. And Zechariah also told us that when you strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered, and that's us. We all scattered, is what these guys would have been thinking. I mean, this is just scratch the surface. Jesus went through all of scriptures from the very beginning, just going through and saying, this is where it points to Christ. This is where it points to Christ. This is where it's talking about the Messiah. All the way through it. And these guys are just listening to all that's being said. And... It tells us in verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him saying, abide with us. For it is towards evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. That he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Awesome. He opens their eyes to the fact that he is Christ. He breaks the bread. I don't know what happened exactly. Maybe it is that he took those scales off their eyes so they could see who he was. Maybe it was that as he broke the bread and gave it to them, they could see the the holes in his hands. Whatever it was, they knew at that point, that it was Christ. They knew at that point he has appeared to us. It tells us that they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? (laughs) Did our heart just burn inside when he walked with us and talked with us and opened up the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They get up immediately. Let's go back. Let's hike seven miles back tonight. So they get up. They walk the seven miles, run the seven miles, jog the seven miles, and maybe hit the wall at the fifth mile and walk the rest. I don't know. They, they crank. They crank over back to the disciples, and they, just, they, they can't wait to tell the disciples what's going on. We saw the Christ. We saw Jesus. We saw the risen Christ. He came to us. He talked with us. He walked with us. He would have gone further with us. He sat down. We broke bread together, and we know that it was him. So they say, let's go back. So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And so you can picture these guys coming in. Guys, hold on, hold on, guys. Just so you know, he rose again. 
He appeared to Simon. He, he appeared to Peter. We know that he rose again. And they're like, we know. We saw the same thing. He came, he walked. What do you do with Peter? Because he was with us. He talked with us. He walked with us. We walked, we walked. We walked like seven miles together. We were just, he broke bread with us. We saw it. They knew that Christ rose again from the dead. And as soon as they get back, he rose. <laughs> the Lord is risen indeed. The disciples are radically changing the way that they're thinking. All that are there in that room are radically changing the way they're thinking. The Lord has risen indeed. He had appeared, has appeared to Simon. And then they told them about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. In verse 36, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. So they're there. I don't know how many people were in that room. But they're all saying like, Peter saw him, then what did he say? And he said this, and he said that, and he took scriptures, and he opened it up, and, we, and the women, they saw all these angels, and then he appeared to Mary Magdalene, and this is all these, because you just go through the gospel accounts, and you can see who it is that he's appeared to. And they're just, they're like, we know that he's risen from the dead. And then all of a sudden, we know from John that the doors are locked. They're afraid of them coming in and executing them. So their doors are locked, they're there in that room, and all of a sudden, Jesus is there in their midst. And he says, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit or a ghost. They're petrified. Now you would think like Cleopas would be like, ah, oh, get to see you. know, like not at all. They're, they're, they're like, how'd you get in here? Doors are locked and now you're in here. You said peace to you. You just freaked us out badly. There's no peace for us right now. No, but you're going to see like they're, 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 they're frightened terrified and frightened. So he says to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Why are you troubled? And why are there doubts still there within your hearts? Why are you doubting at all? Behold my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Touch me. Take your hands. Touch me. Spirits don't have flesh and blood like this. I'm the risen Christ. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy... And marveled. Now notice that. It's not that they still didn't believe. But it was like, I can't believe it. That kind of like, there's joy. There's joy. They're sitting there going like, this? I mean, just a few hours ago, we, we were without hope. We have wept for the last couple of days. And now, you're here. And we're seeing your hands. And we're seeing your feet. And there is joy that is within them. Like they had never experienced before. And so he says to them, have you any food here? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence, ministering to them once again. He takes it and he eats it with them. 
In verse 44, Luke says, Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. These things had to happen. They had to happen. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It was necessary. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Notice what it says. Repentance and remission of sins. There are those that will say, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's God. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. But there is no repentance of for sins in you. There's no repentance. There's no hatred for your sin. There's no saying, God, help me. Please forgive me. I want to go in the opposite direction. This is what I have done. What is to be preached is repentance, a calling for you to repent. If you're here this morning and you say, I believe, but you do whatever you desire to do, there's no conviction of sin. There's no godly sorrow. You just walk in the whatever manner that you desire to walk in. And you think that you're okay. The words of Jesus when he appears to them is, what I want to be preached is repentance. And the remission of sins. The remissions of sins is huge. I want it to be preached The people are to repent and their sins will be forgiven them. Every one of them. You might sit here this morning and say, you have no idea what I've done though. Not once, not twice. It is a lifetime of sin. Sins that I would be so embarrassed if everybody here knew about that I would just want to run out the doors of this church and never see any of your faces ever again. And yet Jesus spoke to them saying, preach repentance and preach remission of sins. Preach that it is forgiven. Preach that it has been hurled into the depths of the sea. Preach that he remembers it no more. Preach that he hides it behind his back. Preach that it is gone, it is removed. As far as the east is from the west, so have your transgressions been removed from you. How? Through faith and the work of Christ upon the cross. That he died and rose again on the third day, that God himself gave us his only begotten son, 
who died for us. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we are to preach that. We're to preach that here to all nations. And he tells them, and you're witnesses to these things. Luke finishes this by saying, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now, Luke goes ahead to the ascension. and says, and it came to pass that while he blessed them, that he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. And he finishes it. We started out the day with, we got no hope. We got no hope. The chapter finishes with, he just ascended into heaven. Now, you would think that the disciples watching him ascend into heaven would be at a place of, he's gone again. That's not what we find. They know that he is the Messiah, that he died, that he rose again, that he must ascend to heaven, that he would send his Holy Spirit to us. And they know that he will come for them again and that they will spend eternity with him. Just as he rose again from the dead, likewise will they rise again from the dead. Just as he has a new body, likewise they will have a new body. They will spend eternity with him. And so they watch him go, and they come back, and are they without hope? No. They are worshiping him, and they return to Jerusalem with great joy. With great joy. There's joy that's there. That is the gospel, brothers and sisters. It is a message of joy. Christ died for your sins. He rose again on the third day. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to the women. He appeared to over 500 people at one time. He ascended into heaven after giving us this great commission to go forth and to proclaim the gospel. And the church, they worshiped him. The church had great joy. The church continued in the temple praising and blessing God. And that is what we have been doing all day, 2,000 years later. We are not like those who don't have hope. We do have hope. He has risen indeed. He has risen. Our sins have been washed away. We will spend eternity with him. We have been called to repent, to believe in him, and there is remission of sins. It's the best news that anybody could hear. And so there is a reason why we are not in a place of mourning on this Easter morning. There's a reason why there are flowers up with purple and yellow and blue and we dress up and we are here. It's a reason why we sing songs and there's smiles on our faces as we do it. It's because we have hope. We have hope. We have the assurance that Christ is risen indeed. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, what a glorious chapter we have in Luke 24. An account of those without hope. 
And not only did you give them hope, but you gave them assurance. You appeared to them. You said, touch my hands, touch my feet. Eat with me. It is I. It's not a spirit, not a ghost, not a hallucination. But it is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day, a bodily resurrection in which he appeared to all of them, assured them that the payment was paid in full, that the sacrifice for our sins was acceptable as God the Father caused Christ to rise again from the dead, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I pray on this morning that there would not be one of us that leaves these doors without placing all of our trust and our hope in you for salvation. Oh God, work that in our hearts this morning that we find ourselves like the disciples with so much joy, continually praising and blessing God for our salvation. And may that pour forth from our hearts as we sing praises to you on this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.